BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome into the Orange Zone podcast, everybody, presented by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. I'm Tommy Sladek. This is Samantha Crossing. We have Brendan Hodges on the producer, Mike. Lawrence Moten will be joining us shortly to do a full breakdown on the SU men's loss to UVA, as well as a little SU football talk, and we'll get into some trivia. Now, the Orange Zone podcast is your place for all things Syracuse Orange. A reminder, you can find every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find every episode on our CMY central youtube page new episodes are released weekly gonna be moving into hello to a week for Woo! most of the rest of this basketball season so we invite you to like comment subscribe share us your thoughts we want to know the pulse of orange nation with this so we do want to open things up with just sam and i because we want to discuss what's been the big talker on social media this tuesday and that is what happened in the post-game press conference with Jim Beheim and a student reporter by the name of Sam Corcoran, Citrus TV news reporter. And we're going to play you this little snippet of right after Beheim had his opening remarks. And then there was the biggest question of the day, which was, where's Benny Williams? This is how the question went. This was the response. What's, uh, what's the stats on Benny Williams? Is that your question? That's the most important question you have? Is that your most important question here? I will answer it. Your attitude isn't really good either. <laughs> Benny took a personal day. He will be back at practice on Wednesday. That's it? We have that question. That's all we have. That's typical in Syracuse. It is. It is. So there you have it. Now, when this was going on, I was finishing up an article for our website out on the court. I got in a little bit delayed. Sam was in there with the camera. She was behind the camera. And you guys were told that the elephant in the room of where was Benny Williams would be addressed, right? Sure was. That was, that was and actually, I, I, I was not told that directly, but that was the consensus in the media room. Many people okay. were saying, this is what's going to happen. It was told to us that this is going to be addressed right away. So I know that, you know, some people had said, well, you know, understanding and knowing Jim Beheim, it's not really the first question I would have asked. I'm, I'm not here to say that I don't understand that, but the point is, I think the important context that some people maybe didn't know is that it was said to us that it would be addressed, and it wasn't. So because of that reason specifically, it was, of course, the, the, one of the most pressing things on everybody's mind. And as journalists, you know, all we wanted to do was, was inform people. And, and this, this wasn't a player that has, been, that has been sitting on the bench. This is a, a huge name, a huge piece to this. And I think both of us are on the same page that there was absolutely nothing wrong with Sam asking when he asked it and the context of what he was asking. It was a straightforward question 
that deserved an answer for for the fan base. It's a part of uh, of journalism. It's a part of this job of what we're doing is to inform people. And when you're getting messages all night about where's Benny Williams, you're going to look to get that question for people. And to to say it was a, a bad attitude, and, and let alone a, a student reporter that had a very professional, um, it was just it was it was just a. A normal question. It was just a normal question. And I was bothered by the way it was handled because I found it completely unnecessary. And it's the second week in a row that something like this is, that has happened where... Not only happened, but ended up on SportsCenter. Ended up on SportsCenter. My guy John asked a question, which was what we're going to be breaking down in this podcast today, which is what is up with the inability to close out? It is something here. And he walked off the stand and said, oh, we're done. So it's, it's nothing wrong with the way Sam asked that question. Not one bit. And also, I think, you know, on top of, of kind of saying, is that the most important question you have? Honestly, kind of trying to like demean this journalist for asking a question that is important. And, mm-hmm. and whether it was the most important or not, that's a debate for another day. But it was definitely relevant. It was definitely valid. And it was definitely something that was on people's minds. But then to say, with only a few seconds in between, that's the only questions you have. That's typical Syracuse. Listen, I know that I'm new to this scene, like I recognize that, but honestly, I'd be more inclined to say that's typical, Jim. I don't really think that that's fair to say when, again, very important question, and and just, just the way that it was answered, it's all about the mannerisms. I just would hope that someone who's been on this scene for so long would would carry themselves in a more professional way. This is somebody who so many people in the community look up to, who so many in, people in the community know, you know, especially as a student journalist, like it, it just seemed like he was trying to bring him down. And I don't think that that's appropriate behavior, even if it is a question that you don't like. It's a journalist's job to not only ask the hard questions, but to hold people, to hold coaches, to hold leaders accountable. And that's something that people wanted the answer to. So again, all that combined with the fact that journalists in the room were promised that information, I, I just think that it, it showed a lot about his character. You know, it's, it's not enough to be a good basketball coach. I, you need to be just a good person, too. And it was just, it was just not, a, not a good moment. Not a good moment, indeed. And I think everyone in the room felt that. And clearly, from what we've seen, um, a lot, of, a lot of fans bothered by the way that was handled, especially for a student journalist doing his job. And of, of all questions to get um, to get that type of, of rise out of just, it made no sense to me. It made no sense. It just felt completely unnecessary and just picked a target, locked in, and was regardless, I'm going to just go after this. So that was that. The game was another thing. We're going to bring in Moten right here. As we do a full breakdown on this Syracuse UVA game and get into the rest of the show. Well, it's time for that Syracuse men's basketball segment that we've all been looking forward to, especially after that Monday night loss. We have Lawrence Moten joining us as he's all-time leading scorer. We have Poetry back in the building. Poetry here for, for a second time. So I like to think you enjoy our company, man. I do enjoy your company. Thanks for having me. And uh, like I said, I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. And uh, let's get this cracking. Let's get it cracking. Great crew. <laughs> Enjoy having you on, man. Appreciate your time. So quick breakdown. If you didn't watch any of the game and you just look on paper, you saw UVA final score 67, Syracuse 62. But as we know, there is so much more under the surface than that final score in this one. And more than anything, 
what I feel waking up this morning is is deja vu from last week. Deja mm. vu from the last time the three of us were sitting here on this desk. Because it's the third time in just two weeks now that Syracuse looking for that signature win, looking for that that quad one win that they desperately need, and it's it's slipping through the fingers in the in the final minute. Poetry, I know you were you were watching at home last yeah. night, um, having a good night's sleep. <laughs> what's the what's been the first thing on your mind about last night? Uh, first thing was on my mind to make free throws. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was very tough. You know, those guys are playing really hard. I can honestly say that these last couple of games, they've really been fighting. But at the end of the day, they're showing their youth. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just have to try to find a way to finish the game. And, and we've been losing track on that. Yeah, seven missed free throws was the number that we brought up last night. But it was even more than free throw numbers. It was It was almost surprising to see how limited our three-point shooting was and to still be in that game. Did that catch you off guard a little bit? It sure did. With those numbers? Sure did. You know, that's another thing we discussed. Three for 15 from behind the arc and against a top 10 team, that's tough. It's tough to pull that off if you aren't making those shots. But I have to say, I totally agree with the free throws. And it really felt like... You know, a couple here and there is one thing, but if it was seven missed free throws, it had to be three or four right at the very end when it really mattered. And to me, you know, you probably, I mean, you know from your career, it's like how many times you have to be at that line making a free throw, but I honestly think there's like that mental component of Mm -hmm. knowing it's the end of the game, Mm -hmm. understanding the gravity of the situation, and maybe like you said, um, you know, we do have a little bit of a younger of a team, so just just maybe getting in their heads a little bit. But that that's tough. You know, of, of course, there are other things to be considered. I, I know that the the crowd wasn't happy with some of the calls later in the game sure. last night. Um, sure. But, you know, those are the kinds of things where those free throws, you know, that's that's just up to people to, to make them or not. So the deja vu. Yeah, I, I felt that the most. You know, I said it earlier, just seeing everyone walking out of the crowd walking out, going back to their cars with 10 seconds left on the clock. You know, I want everybody to be there until the very end. That's the kind of game I'm looking forward to. So we'll see. Right. And, and I'm going I'm to open this up to, to producer Brendan Hodges here in a second because he ended up pulling a stat that I was going to go and get myself, but he had already put it down. He put in some work because I wanted to learn a little bit more about what were the similarities in the Miami loss in the UNC loss, and in this loss last uh, Monday night to to UVA. You could be listening to this on Thursday. i got to remember that. Monday night. And I wanted to see that because I know the free throws weren't working well. I know the shooting wasn't working well. But closing out games has been a struggle for this team. In the Miami game, in the last four minutes of the second half, they were outscored by the Hurricanes 13-8. In the UNC game, they were outscored in the last four minutes of the second half 10-6. And in the last four minutes of the UVA game, they were outscored 8-5. to five. Turnovers last night in the last four minutes, two. Turnovers in the last four minutes of the UNC game, two. And then turnovers in the last four minutes of the, of the Miami game, two. I think that number says a lot. Wouldn't you say so, Moten? I definitely think that number says a lot. And uh, back to what I was saying, it goes to show that uh, you have to have veteran leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, not saying Joe and Jesse are not veterans, but... As far as uh, I'm big on, you know, a go-to guy. And I've been watching this game for quite some time. And truly, we really don't have that go-to guy who's going to get you that bucket when you need that bucket. Right. Joe's a great shooter. Jesse's been playing hard. Judah's been doing his thing. But 
you need a straight up go-to guy and that's another thing I think they're lacking yeah and and Hodges you you have something not only just with the stats of the last four minutes thank you for putting that together by the way full credit full credit to Brandon you got it anytime but you you brought up last week the Joe and Jesse comparison about the double digits and that's continuing to grow when the two of them or one of them I should say is low in the scoring scoring category. Can you update us on that? Yeah. Um, so a couple weeks ago, uh, basically, guys, what this is, is when Joe and Jesse both score in double digits, SU more than likely will win. They're 12-2. and two. The only two losses that happened were Colgate-Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miami is obviously one of these games that I pulled for you today. When only one of them scores in double digits, they've only won one time out of seven. That uh, was Notre Dame the second time. And uh, when they both don't score in double digits, it's a wash. And they, it, it doesn't happen often. It's only happened twice. They've lost both times. Um, so if one of them isn't on, and I think last night it was Joe that didn't go over double digits because Jesse was getting doubled a lot early. He was passing the ball out really well, and it looked like he was going to be in good shape no matter what. And then I guess I don't even remember really what happened in this game. Like, Did, did Joe just not get a lot of shots off? It's interesting, right? Because I, I didn't walk away and saying to myself, where was Joe? I felt like he was a part of it. But it was interesting in the final few minutes. I do remember this because it, it was. There was a lot going on. In the last two possessions there, at that point, I believe they were down maybe four points. And it was one of those where it's like, okay, you, you, you probably need a three at this point. You're less than a minute to go. And I remember Judah trying to get Joe the ball. And just they they were so pressed out on that yeah. three point line, and yeah. they just weren't able to get it. It was that possession when you were like, "Oh man, they need to get a shot off. This mm-hmm. clock is just ticking." Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't know if I have an, an exact answer to that, other than if they're coming out that far, I think you just you you have to force it down low yeah, and take y- the two points there. Joe but. went three of twelve for seven yesterday. Three of twelve. Okay. One of four from three. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that's Kia Clark on him, too. He's been tough, there for tough, 10 years. Tough day for him, you know. And, and it was also a tough day for him against Virginia Tech where mm-hmm. he had seven points. You're right. But uh, Virginia plays a great, does a great job of playing that pack line defense so they know how to have guys help in, in great help position. And, you know, like I said, you know, you, being a scorer that I was, you know, you have to find other ways to get a bucket. And right. if Joe's not hitting that three ball, it's, it's tough for him. To it's got to be someone else. Yeah. But, well, you know what I think is the interesting thing, though, now that we've had sort of like these three losses in a row? It, it's frustrating to me. Like, I, of course, there's been this theme of, you know, it's difficult for them to close out within the last few minutes of the game. But if they can go toe-to-toe with a team that's ranked in the top ten in the country, then why can't they win against Virginia Tech? You know, like that game shouldn't be as close as the game against Virginia. I know that that Virginia Tech has been playing better um, as the season has gone on. But that's what interests me is I don't even feel like those two teams are necessarily the same talent level. So it is weird that we do find ourselves in this situation more often than not recently. Um, And I, I agree with you, Poetry, that... You know, the veteran leadership is one of the issues here. But then what do you do for the rest of this year? Because if there's not veteran leadership already, they're probably not going to have it for the last stretch of this season, no? Yeah, well, you know, that's a, that's a situation where in practice somebody's going to have to take that role and or, or be vocal, you know, uh, and, and let the team know, you know, that 
I'm that guy. Judas is truly trying to do that. Mm -hmm. He's really playing hard, you know, but as you, as you can see, he's young, so sometimes it looks erratic. But um, I'm, I'm big on veteran leadership. I'm big on knowing your role, and at times it just seems like guys are forgetting their role and what they do well or, or just not, not playing well together at the, at, at the latter parts of the game. You know, there's a, it's a 40-minute game, Sam, mm -hmm. and can't play well for 36 minutes. Do you think that a year or two from now, Judah will be that guy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, I think so, you know, because he has a good motor. You know, I know him personally. You know, he, he has that fire in his eyes where he wants to be better, you know. And each year you should, you should progress, and I think he'll do that. You know, and even the young guy, Bell, has impressed me. You know, when he's gotten in and the more and more confidence he'll get, you know, he'll get better. I love, I love, I truly love the freshman class that we have. All the guys have showed in spurts that they have a lot of talent. And once we put it together, uh, we'll be fine. But, you know, and I know it's all about now. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I think there's something that, spe that feels special about them. Mm -hmm. Um as much as they all have their own styles, their own, you know, they're just, they're different types of players. It does seem that that heart that you mentioned with Judah, that they all, I don't think any of them that I've seen have hesitated to go diving for that ball on the ground. And right. it feels like they're all locked in, in that same headspace. And it's, and it's beautiful to watch. Um, it does feel like one or the other seems to have that that big night night mm -hmm. after night it seems mm -hmm. to be that it's it's not consistent I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing to have so many different weapons and for another team not knowing who the hot hand's going to be that night mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably like a you know preparation nightmare just because you it forces you to prepare for all of them but you bring up the 40 minutes you bring up this 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 not closing out end of the day this was a Syracuse team that led by as many as five points on the number six team in the country there in the second half yeah. And, and the way that they responded, even after a, another signature slow start, this one didn't last as long. Some of these slow starts for, for SU has been the whole first half. This one was just felt like the first five minutes, and then all of a sudden they turned it on, and, and it's a one-point game at halftime. It's, it's, there's so much that is going right in that middle chunk. How do we get that middle chunk to just expand to the end line? And it's it's a it's a question I think we're all and asking start ourselves today. And start earlier, because as you said, you know the slow start didn't last very long. But still, especially against a, a top ranked team like that, to be down fourteen six five or so minutes into the game, now that is still even if it's only a small hole, it is a hole we need to get out of and then move on from. Right, exactly. And Boston College this weekend, so. This is one of those at this point. This is a 13-10 and 10 Syracuse team. They're 6-6 six and six in ACC play on a three-game losing streak. They, they needed a quad one win there. Not to say anything's out. I mean, we saw that team two years ago. They made it to the tourney at, a, what was it, 18-11 and 11 was, their, was their conference record. So there's time for them to still find that. And, and luckily, they're in a good enough conference where I think they'll get some competition that could end up getting those check marks on the resume. Saturday to me with BC, no disrespect to BC, I'm, they're they're a good team. They're in the ACC, but to me this feels like a, it just feels like a, a get right game again. Kind of similar to what we saw with Georgia Tech. Absolutely, I, I will call it a gut check game. Gut check game. This is a game that is no doubt in my mind that you you have to win. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. You know we've we've lost some crucial games against quad one teams like you said and. And I'm big on another thing that's very important to me, is especially when you're playing at home. 
I was taught, you know, in order to learn how to win, you have to win at home first. So mm. it's about protecting your home. And they're young, and but they're hungry, and we're still trying to get it together. You know, 13 and 10 is tough right now. It's hard for me to even fathom that. Yeah. But it is what it is, and there's still life. We're going to bleed orange no matter what. You know, we're going to stay positive. Yeah, definitely going to stay positive because you 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 still have the tournament. Mm-hmm. Still have the tournament, still have opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how they how they get it done against uh, against BC. Looking forward to that again. I I like gut check game a lot absolutely. actually. Absolutely. Did you come up with that? Like, because I feel like that's well, just you know not what, in my uh, vocabulary. Hey, you know they don't call me poetry for <laughs> <laughs> How many of those games have they had already? I don't want like obviously being from the Midwest. I am. I'm not going to be negative Nancy here, but how many of those gut check games have they had already? I mean, yeah. I remember our predictions this weekend, Tommy. I had mentioned that I didn't expect SU to lose the Virginia Tech game because they made so many minor mistakes. Sure. And they'd be uber-focused in practice. Right. And then they got blown out. They, they, like, I didn't tell you guys all the whole stats thing I have back here, but I went through first four, last four minutes of each half. They haven't won the first four minutes in any of the past six games. Hmm. They, yeah. They, they won the last four minutes against Virginia Tech, but they were down 20. It's just like, how many of these gut check games did, have they had already? Because I feel like Georgia Tech, they still got beat out of the gate, and then they, they were just a better team. I'm not trying to be negative here. It's just like being a realist. Like, there are only so many more games to go. You sure. play what, like, they're what, 13 and 10? They have seven more they play what 30 30 something in the regular season if you count the conference tournament right well I'm also just wondering and this is honestly a question I have like how many more games can you lose before the only way to get into the NCAA tournament is to win the ACC tournament because that feels like the realm that's of approaching. that's where that we're, that's we're getting to that point right now yeah and and what's that's what's so you know it's 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 gut-wrenching about a loss like last night in the in the Monday night previous you get that win last night, and you're moving to f- Monday night, and you're moving to to fourteen and nine, and you just knocked off the number six team. Right. This conversation today would be so different, right? We it wouldn't be the how many more games until it's just the ACC. It's okay. What's next? What's next? Um, and they still have opportunities to get that game. But Brendan is, if, if you want to be real here, you're right. It's it's time is it's ticking. Right it's now. those. And we need to get it done. The last two games that we've talked about in depth, North Carolina, Virginia, in my mind were your two shots. Mm -hmm. You maybe have one more, and I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I assume Duke comes to the Dome at some point later on down the line. February 18th. I think that's your last last chance to get one of these. And one out of three with a subjective system like the committee – for the NCAA tournament without a conference tournament just championship. I think run. I think run could end up being the right word because if we look back at two years ago, right, 18-11, they, they, they had a big win over UNC at the end of the season. But, you know, Joe Lenardi and the, and the people doing the bracketology, they were, they were the first to tell you that they needed to see something from Syracuse in that ACC tournament. And they showed and you they something. And they smoked NC State. Mm-hmm. And then they took – Guess who? UVA down to the wire. That loss still hurts. If you guys remember that in the second round, or the I guess it would be the quarterfinals. But it was enough to show. And at that point, UVA I believe was the number one team. 
in the country. Reese Speakman from and, the wing. And sure enough, they were playing their hottest basketball. They ended up in the Sweet 16. So you're right. And, and that, to me, at this point, I think should be the goal is over these next two weeks, I, I don't want to be sitting here with the three of you and saying, well, they have to win it all now. I would I would much rather hear them say people you know the committee wants to see them make a run in this tournament. That's a lot better of a feeling, I'll tell you sure that. Sure is. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing I was thinking going back to the joy of uh, Virginia Tech game. Yeah. Uh the first game that we beat them uh they didn't have that shooter. I forget his name, but he Hunter played Couture. Couture and, and Couture that was shot huge. us down in yeah. Virginia Tech and he was yeah. a big factor. Yeah, we do need to make – I forgot that we haven't talked since the Virginia Tech game, but that was a major difference because on, on paper, right, you're looking at it and you're saying, how did we just beat them at home by 10? Right. And, it was, and it was one of those where it felt like we were just crushing them the whole game. And then to go down to their place, I, I respect Blacksburg, tough place to play. But at the end of the day, it was like what was different, and, and the Hunter Couture factor was right there. Absolutely. And boy, did it make a difference because to me, that's another big guy that can shoot the three. Absolutely. And 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 I, I find that to be the kryptonite of this zone. Sometimes is when you have guys on the wings, and they're all feeling it, and they were feeling it that day. Yeah. We must have been on the same wavelength because I was just thinking in my head. It's like I know that the zone, if you had like the Syracuse basketball starter pack, that's in it. But I'm just not sold on it. I just feel like whenever there's a team that's hitting threes, all of a sudden this team is exposed. You know, it's, it's, it's really tough for me to get behind that at all times. It's, it's an interesting question because the game has developed around it, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's funny to me because when I was in college at Syracuse, we played both. We played right. man, and we played we full court pressed, and we played zone. And then, the latter part of, of Coach Beheim's career, he's just strictly zone. And sometimes I don't understand it because we had we we have great athletes, mm-hmm. so you have to put them to use, let them use their length, let them, you know, just try to distract players and make it harder for them. And, yeah. and the zone is kind of laid back at times, you know, and and and, and in the zone, all five guys have to work at the same time. If one guy breaks down and four guys are working hard, it'll still make the zone look bad. Right. So things like that. And, you know, I love my coach, but he's stuck in his ways. Yeah. And it's, it's such a – and I know it's, it's – it's, the Bayheim zone is so much more than just 2-1-2. Than just two, two. Right. I, I, I can only imagine yeah. the amount of little yeah. – Things that when you're watching, you know, absolutely, Bell ball, needs ball to go gets here. To the corner, yep. automatic boom, trap, boom, boom. you know, rotation, you know, like all of those yeah. things that uh, you you are taught out of the zone. And he loves his length, but at times, you know, it's no doubt in my mind that we have the athletes to go man to man. Well, yeah. and also, as you said, I think the the times have changed, the game has changed, and I've been thinking about some of the issues with the zone even more since you said, you said when I was playing, a lot of the times it was mid-range jumpers, that was my game. Right. Now it's all threes and dunks. Absolutely. And if that's changed, Absolutely. then you really have to change your defense with it. I'm with you, Sam. Yeah. We saw that earlier in the season, too. He would, Jim would throw out the press to fall back into You're the right. zone, and, and it I helps them. And I love the them. press. Mm-hmm. I love the press. Mm-hmm. I think that works great. Mm-hmm. It helped them because. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Because you're playing man in a sense all the way down the court yes. and then falling back into that zone and then teams are like, oh my God, we only have like 15 seconds to work here. Right. We took so much time getting the ball across the timeline. We don't have that much time to break down the zone and they were missing shots. They were rushing. Mm-hmm. And it makes teams sporadic, you know, makes you do things you don't want to do when you're pressing and playing man to man. And But the zone, you know, you have time to be patient outside, inside. And if, if you're a smart team, uh-huh, you're going to make them pay. Right. Exactly. So any any last thoughts before we uh, give a mention of the SU women, what they have coming up on Thursday? I think we covered a lot. We did. So speaking of Virginia Tech, Felicia Leggett, Jack, FLJ, and the Orange have number 13 Virginia Tech on Thursday night. So if you're listening before that, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing with this team, right? Because we are starting to see an SU women that is in the same boat as the SU men in that they need a signature win. Uh, they're 14 and 8, so better shape for sure than the men, but 5 and 6 in conference play, and they're, they're still looking for that. And it's been a bit of the same thing to where Louisville, they had them on the ropes all game on Sunday, and then the fourth quarter they're getting outscored. So it's certainly something that they're looking to lock in on. But the beauty of playing in a conference like this in women's basketball right now is after Virginia Tech, you have BC, and then it's number 11 UNC, number 9 Notre Dame, number 23 Florida State. The ACC is so good, man. So, on so, both so sides. good. And so it's, on both I'm, sides. I, I'm excited to, to see that. And, and, Mo, and you've been around the, the, the women's college game with, with your daughter, man. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, the, the landscape of it is, is so fascinating to me in just the way a conference can just have a stronghold on on that bracket for years at a time it's it's impressive honestly i'm with felicia she's a great coach and i guarantee i'm going to keep saying this i give her a five-year plan she gets surpassed this year but i give her a five-year plan she will be acc coach of the year and and her syracuse women's basketball team will be a champion heck yeah yeah no, heck yeah I, I, I feel it i i believe in her i believe in this team and I did actually happen to watch the, the Louisville game over the weekend. Um, I, I think really with this team, it's just small adjustments and it's fourth quarter adjustments. Because again, this was actually, it was a really tight, it was a close game. Like I was in the, in the midst of being ready to tweet out, hey everybody, tune into the tune ACC in, network. Yeah. This, is a, this is a really good game. And I looked up and I was like, well, it's actually not quite as good now, but maybe you just <laughs> like like. But it was good. I think they just they, they were getting killed on offensive rebounds. So I think that's one thing that that again just a minor adjustment, um, and just too many four shots. Like sometimes I feel like they just need to settle in a little bit yeah. more. Like even you know work the clock a little bit, pass the ball around a couple more times. Because a couple of the shots, I just I had this feeling in my head like I feel like there there could have been a better look if a couple more seconds would have went by. Sure. So again, just just my two cents, just giving some it's some observations, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's it's right there, so we'll see how it goes. And before we uh, before we wrap up this segment, I do want to make a mention of the SU football schedule because it has to do with producer Brendan's trivia this week. Yes, sir. So we all want to flip to our next page here. 
Brendan broke it all down. And this is kind of as expected because it seems to be the theme over the last few years. Uh, Mo, did you get any SU football watching this fall? I did. I did. Um, it's tough to watch. You get frustrated, don't you? <laughs> I do. Because, I, you know, I don't know if you know, I was an All-American in football also. I did not know that. Wide, wide receiver safety. and my really? Let's go. My, my roommate is the reason why I came to Syracuse. He was the starting quarterback on the team. Marvelous Marvin Graves. Yes, sir. The, the real number five <laughs> before Donovan <laughs> McNabb. I did not know that. Absolutely. Did you – what went into your decision to, event, to, uh, to do hoops? Well, you know – of course, the Lord mm-hmm. upstairs, but um, I was like, I first started playing football uh, coming up. And when I got here, Bayheim kind of talked me out of it at the time. You know, 17-year-old guy. Yeah. You know, he told me, Lawrence, there's more money in basketball, less injury. And then, you know, actually being roommates with football guys and we would get up and go to class at 8 o'clock and I wouldn't see them until 10 at night. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah. Like, you know, quarterbacks you know quarterbacks individual quarterbacks practice practice watching film lifting and all this type of stuff so I'm like you guys can have that <laughs> so I think I made the right job. decision he's not yeah. wrong I think I made the right decision. He, he is not wrong yeah. about that there you put a lot oh my in, into that sport man Brandon played some college football as well okay um but I uh, you mentioned 8 a.m. I was curious about that. Did you guys all? Did you have to do early morning classes oh, because absolutely. of the way? Oh because man! Of the schedule. You know. So most you never of the time had practices at three o'clock. So, okay. You know. They wanted all your stuff done. Absolutely, absolutely, and we got it all done. And then, you know, you practice, uh, meal meal plan, yeah. tra- training table, and then study hall. Yeah. So we have a tutor for about two hours. So. It, w- it was rigorous, but not as rigorous as football and the things they had to do. And and then I enjoyed being home by myself when they went on the road. <laughs> you uh, get the apartment yeah, to yourself? Yeah, it was like my own crib, you know. <laughs> I remember those days. I enjoyed watching them, you know, watching my teammates on yeah. TV and actually chilling by myself. So that, That's nice, that man. Cool. That it's a great cool. strategy. Definitely. But, yeah, looking at the schedule, again, this is a team that finished the season 7-6 and six, and uh, – it's going to actually be on the very back of it, but SU's heading back to Yankee Stadium in the regular season. Not sure if you guys saw this, but they moved what would have been a true home game to Yankee Stadium to celebrate the centennial anniversary of the first time Syracuse and Pitt uh, were a part of the first ever football game at Yankee Stadium back in 1923. It was a real barn burner. Syracuse won three to nothing. So <laughs> high score affair. Um I know some fans that were not too happy about this, just in the sense of the back half of that schedule outside of Boston College. It's their, their everything else is going to be away up until Saturday, November twenty fifth. So really, you have one game over a two month span that's home. That's not very fun. Mm. Don't don't love that. I I I think the idea is cool. But come that point in the season, we'll see how cool it is if this is a team that is kind of, you know, really looking for a big win and all of a sudden what should have been a home environment is maybe a little bit more a little bit more mutual. But then again, it was mostly Syracuse fans at that Minnesota Bowl game. So. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Th- those Syracuse fans did show out. So yeah. we'll see if the same thing happens. Yeah, then, uh, but this SU football schedule, Colgate, Western Michigan, both at home. Then we're at Purdue. Love that. Love the series we have with uh, with the Boilermakers. That's been 
making for some really fun football. Then they are taking on Army West Point is in town. Then home versus number 13, Clemson. Love that that's home. At UNC, at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, home versus BC, neutral site Pittsburgh, at Georgia Tech, and then home versus Wake Forest. Brendan, your trivia question, hit us with it. Yeah, you got it, guys. Uh, you'll also see, and we don't need to put this on there. I made my way too early SU gets upset picks. Uh, okay. But we won't mention those until the fall. Um, trivia today, obviously, as Tommy mentioned, on SU's history at Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. They've played there ten times. They've won seven. Name all three teams that SU has lost to at Yankee Stadium. So they've won seven games and they've lost three at Yankee Stadium. They have. I actually have a list of the teams they've beaten at Yankee Stadium. Could we get the years well. of the losses? Well, they lost to Minnesota, right? That's true. So we have so, one. Yes. One. Yes. Uh, thank you, Moses. Poetry's <laughs> like, is anyone going to state the obvious here? Or, uh? Uh, I, I would say Notre Dame. That's correct, too. 2018. Wow. Woo! You're not getting the third one. And the third one. Oh, now he's challenging you. Now he's going. He's, Brendan's going full villain mode. Go for gold. Odom poetry. Is it an ACC school? That's a no. I will give you that. It's okay. not an ACC school. Okay. Thanks for that. Thanks um, for that. Could we get the? Could we get the year? 1960. Oh man, this could be anything. Woo. I have one other hint, but I'll let you guys. I'll let you all each have a guess. Okay, hold on. Let me think it through. Yankee Stadium. Neutral site. Why would they be there? Was it for? A, it, I'm guessing it wasn't a bowl game. It was I don't more think. I, I'd have to look at the link again. Um, yeah, Penn didn't, didn't start anything. until like maybe ten years ago. No. Um, I'm going with Army. Are you kidding me? Oh. <laughs> no way! No way! That just happened. Going with Army. Our news director said that question would be too hard for you three, and Moden just swept it. Clap it up. Come back. Stay That's around. I just felt the military in me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah. That was um, amazing. They, none Ooh. of these were barn burners, really. Well, I guess the no hero wins. <laughs> the villain goes down. Anyway, go. um, if you beating Brandon, if you want to know who SU's beaten at Yankee Stadium, they've beaten Pitt once, Notre Dame once, Army once, Kansas State, West Virginia in this century. Mm-hmm. And New York University had a team way back in the day. SU beat them twice at Yankee Stadium. That's kind of like when Michigan beat the Detroit YMCA <laughs> and they <laughs> said it was the championship. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I know about NYU is it was featured in like Step Up 3 or something like that. When did NYU stop having a team? Uh, it's checking. Also, basketball, are they D2? Do they have a, a, a team? Checking. Poetry, do you know? Excuse me, what? Does NYU have a, have a college hoops team? Yes, they do. They do. I don't know what level, but they do. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That was that was awesome. That was awesome. Any, anything Straight you like from to say? poetry, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. A new and sheriff in town. And why? <laughs> Mungro never got a question right. This is going to be a big change for me. Wait. <laughs> you you just like opened up a whole new world. Mungro was like 0 for 17 oh, on yeah. trivia. I yeah. still have one or two. I need to defend him. He's going to see this. He's going to be like, nope, I got one. Tommy. He had one or two, but I would get it right. He'd be like, Sam, we both got that, right? I'd be like, ah. Tommy, NYU uh, stopped play the Violets. Uh, they stopped playing football in That's 1952. 1952 is the last Your year. Your name is the Violets. You don't belong in college basketball, let me tell you. 
nothing to enjoy. God, I'm mad that. now. I gotta I, come better next week. Don't be mad, my guy. I thought that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> a new sheriff in town. For, for those, <laughs> his name is Lawrence. I just want to say this P. too. Moten. Poetry came to me after last week's episode, and he looked at Tommy and said, "So this is the sports encyclopedia, right?" Yep. And mm-hmm. I was the like, "That's villain." Oh my god, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I had to step up my game, and I just got destroyed. Hey. I was one for two today, though. I brought a great stat, and I got absolutely waxed at my own thing. <laughs> it feels good to win one. <laughs> hey, appreciate you, Brandon, bringing the heat. Appreciate you, Moten, getting that right. That just felt good. I mean, it just felt needed. Sam Croston, Lawrence Poetry Moten. I'm Tommy Sladak. Brendan Hodges, that's your Orange Zone podcast, presented by Billy Whitaker Cards and Trucks. We're out of here. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace.